0: Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you may test, that you may discern, that you may examine what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there is the perfect will of God, but there's also the lesser, right? We don't just want the good and acceptable. We want the perfect but did you notice you can't get that perfect will operating in your life unless you are transformed that word is metamorphosis where you get the you know where a caterpillar goes in that process of metamorphosis that's the Greek word here metamorphosize. it means that you're that like a caterpillar to a butterfly your mind was old and crawling but now it's new and flying praise God the Bible gives you wings It does. This was the first book, not Red Bull. The Bible turns you from a caterpillar, metamorphosizes you to a butterfly, and gives you wings so that you can fly in life instead of crawl. Now, this is really what it means. When your mind is renewed to certain things in the Word and the way God thinks, you'll live a better life. And he said, don't want you to be conformed to the world. In other words, the world is trying to influence you constantly, constantly, constantly. In television programs, it's trying to influence you. In the news media, it's trying to influence you. Yeah. 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 And Canada is a left-wing country. Yeah. Do you understand? Which, which is why Rogers and Bell and all the others don't give, C, only give CNN as part of your free channels. Yeah. Right. You got to pay for Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Right. F-O-X. <laughs> you got to pay for it if you want to get it. They don't want you to see the right wing and the conservative side. They want you to see the left wing. Yep. Right. I'm serious. True. We live in a, in a more of a left wing. We're not a left wing. They're not a left wing government, but we're not necessarily technically socialist, but we're not far away from it. Uh-huh. And I'm not into politics. I'm just saying our culture in Canada always focuses on the left side of things. Uh-huh. And as a believer, we're constantly focusing on the right side of things. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Now, we don't try to mess you up now by talking about politics. But to the very core of your essence, if you love Jesus, are you with me? Because all these people say you don't talk about politics. And I understand that that's not that really the pulpit shouldn't be used for that in terms of excess. Do you understand? But if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, what you believe you should vote for because what you don't vote, you don't matter. When you don't vote, you don't have a voice. When you don't vote, you're lazy. You're saying, do whatever you want and I'll yield to it. When you vote, you vote your conscience because it matters. You matter. Your voice matters and who's in power matters. So because we must vote we always have to at least address politics to a measure otherwise you don't know how to vote now i'm not here to talk to you about parties today and that's really nothing but i felt the holy ghost prompt me and i don't know why so i'm going to just say this one sentence we're not after names i'm not against people for people all that but as a believer if i believe certain things I must vote my conscience with a party that will be as close to... Nobody will be exactly in line, because nobody is born again, Spirit-filled, and Holy Ghost. But whatever is the closest to my belief is what I vote. So explain to me then, please, congregation, why when I had the board meeting with Brother Richard Roberts last week, and he was telling me that he sent an email out to all his American and Canadian partners... And he was talking about why it is important. He didn't say the name, but if you have a brain, you know he's talking about Trump because he's, he's the only Republican candidate. Right. And he was explaining why, from a biblical perspective, if you're going to vote, you should vote for him. Explain to me why he lost a whole bunch of Christian born-again partners because of that. Explain it to me. You can't explain it to me because Christians half the time are so dull They're carnal. They don't like his tweets. They don't like his attitude. Neither do I they don't like the carnality Neither do I but they judge the candidate by the skin color they judge the candidate by how Presidential they are or our candidate by how prime ministerial they are and what they look like and their age and their color and how they talk and if they seem to command a presence or not and they don't look at the platform because the platform is the only reason you vote The only reason that you vote is the platform because the platform is what they're gonna do Who cares if they text or not? Who cares if they tweet or not? What matters is the law they're gonna pass and when you got people that are going to approve abortion of babies After they are born which right now is happening in New York because of the liberal candidate if technically by law you can give birth to a child if you decide you don't like what it looks like the doctor has the right to kill it oh. after it is out of the womb this is in new york city and it happens it's happening today probably today somebody a little child is being slaughtered today right now because of the liberals because they pass laws that give the right to kill human life and then you got a candidate yes who might have a weird hairdo and t- tweets too much but he is saying life is sacred sacred we do not believe in abortion we do not believe in this we do not believe in that and not all the platform is sound but the main pillars are sound right and yet christians are so carnal that they will not vote because they don't like a personality instead of looking at the platform That's that's good i have no clue conception or knowledge why i said that But I believe there's somebody watching that you needed to hear that. Maybe there's somebody here. We're not even Americans, for goodness sakes. But it's the same with Canada politics. Our current prime minister said publicly, I heard him with my own ears on live television. It went nationwide. Evangelical Christians are the most despicable part of Canadian society. What he's saying is me. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about me and you. According to him, you are the most despicable part of Canadian society. Because he's demon-possessed. Yeah, I don't mind saying it because it's true. Anybody that says that is demon-possessed. Okay, and yet Christians still vote because they like he think they think he's cute. They like the way he looks. They like his young modern this, and they like that, and they liked his father to 30 years ago, and, that, and they don't look at the platform. The platform and the laws that are going to be passed are the only reason why you vote. We believe in certain things as believers, which means if we are believers, you have to vote conservative. No Christian that has, no Christian that has a conscience could vote liberal because you are voting to slaughter innocent children. You are voting for gay rights. We love them and Jesus loves them, but they, we don't, we're not in agreement with their lifestyle. And when you vote the other side, you vote in agreement with their lifestyle. I don't know why the Lord had me say this today because it's got nothing to do with my sermon. But I'm just telling you, some of you, you need need to renew your mind. See, the world is trying to conform you. Don't be conformed to this world and its way of thinking, including the political giants out there. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes, sir. God wants us renewed in our thought process about politics. He wants us renewed in our thought process about COVID. He wants us renewed in our thought process about what shows we watch and don't watch. He wants us renewed in our thought process about how we treat each other about tithing, about faithfulness, about evangelism. He wants us renewed in our thought process. That's why you come to church to be changed change does not always feel good so church will not always feel good a secret sensitive bigwig out there years ago told somebody who told me that he said you want a big church don't ever preach something that doesn't make them feel good that is why they have big churches because when nothing is ever taught to change you when everything is a stroking to make you feel good, you're going to obviously, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. The people are going to love it. The cartel buckets are going to love it. Let me have sex with anything I want. Let me cheat. Let me not tithe. Let me dishonor God because it feels good. Sin is pleasure. And the preacher comes and says, it's okay, brother. God loves you. It's okay. And of course they're going to like it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. But we don't come to church because we feel good or because it always makes us feel good. It should, at the end result, produce goodness in our life. But we come because God's word is trying to transform us, metamorphosize us, take us from a caterpillar to a butterfly. God's word is trying to change the way we think, not keep our thinking the same. Do you understand? If you don't think like God, the the cocoon is the local church. You come, this is a cocoon. We are shielded from the outside world. We, we tell you what God says, even if they say it's wrong. They say it's wrong to say this about same sex, but God's word says it's right. So we use wisdom in how we say it. We don't try to provoke and cause a lawsuit, but we are never going to be silenced. When God's word says, say something, we must say it. Yes, Do you understand? So God is wanting to renew our minds by the washing of the water of the word. I'm talking about how to be led by the spirit. But you can't be led by the spirit if your mind is not renewed. Amen. Because when impulses and the impulses and the instructions of the spirit, the still small voice, your inner, your inner man voice, your spirit's voice, as well as the inner witness, if your mind, see, that is still communicating to your mind. Your spirit man hears what the Holy Ghost knows. And even though you may not have revelation of it yet, your spirit man knows all things because the spirit is within him. He will now communicate to your mind what the spirit is saying, what the spirit's will is, what the spirit of God wants, what the word of God wants. So your spirit... The Holy Ghost is in your spirit. Your spirit is picking things up from the Holy Ghost all the time because he's around the Holy Ghost and it's sealed by the blood. So there's no darkness and there's no demons and there's no flesh in there. Flesh is everywhere else, but not in there. And your spirit is trying to get over to your mind, Lorraine, what the spirit of God is showing him, you, the real you inside. So your spirit will communicate to your mind primarily by an inward knowing and secondarily by by an inward voice a still small voice of your spirit trying to talk to your mind I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost when he talks because it's a little bit more dramatic. It's still inside. It's not necessarily audible outside, but it can feel as if it's that loud because it's a bit more authoritative when the spirit speaks. But I'm talking about your spirit, Rosita, has the Holy Ghost in it. Your spirit is trying to communicate to your mind what the Holy Ghost wants. He does it primarily by a knowing and secondarily by trying to talk to you in a still gentle voice. But if your mind is so messed up and so unrenewed with the word you will never hear the voice of your spirit and you'll never recognize the inner witness because the mind is so darkened with life and stuff. So you have to talk about renewing the mind if you're ever going to talk about being led by the spirit, because the more carnal you are in your mind, the less you pick up the impulses of the spirit. Yeah so how do you really we talk about being led by the spirit listen to the inner witness but we got to back it up a little bit further you don't how do you even hear the inner witness if your mind's unrenewed you're led by the spirit by the inner witness but you won't even hear the inner witness you won't recognize the inner witness if your mind is so darkened and carnal so the first thing you do is get into the word the people that are led by the spirit spend much time reading the word Reading the word, studying the word, not just listening to it preached, but reading it with your own ears, your own eyes, letting your own ears hear you read it. Now what does Joshua 1 8 say? Uh, it says, uh Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Uh meditate day and night. Don't let this book of the law depart out of thy mouth. But meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and of good success. Now, you're supposed to meditate on it day and night and say it. Say it. Don't let the book of the law depart out of your mouth. So it's fine to Listen. I have max mclean who's I like him some of you think he's a weirdo, but I like him He's got a deep deep voice and he's and he's a commentator. He reads the bible He's a bible narrator. My wife hates him. My wife says he's a weirdo He's a freak his voice freaks him her out. She don't like listening to him. I love listening to him I put a, turn up the volume just so jenny can hear it turn that up Don't you telling me to turn off the word of god, honey? Keep the word turn him off. He's weird. No, he's not weird. He's just deep I like the deep voice. She likes this lady with a shrill voice. I said, turn her off. you telling me to turn the Bible off? No, just her. I don't like her voice. Put on Max. Yeah. See, we have differences. Yeah. Yeah. But when I hear the Bible, yeah. it's still not me saying it. Right. Yeah, How are you going to say it if you haven't memorized it? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. If you've memorized it, just say it. But if you haven't memorized it, which most of you haven't, including me, What do we do? We have to read it in order to not let this book depart out of our mouth. Automatically, he didn't have to say read it. It's automatic. It's obvious. You can't say it unless you read it. And back when he wrote this in Joshua 1, there was no electronics and there was no Max McLean reading it. So he wasn't referring to listening to the Bible. He said, you've got to read the parchment you got to let your ears hear the parchment because don't let, it, don't let it leave your words, your mouth. Your mouth must speak it. So what, as you go about, don't just listen to me preaching to you. You must open the Bible and actually read it out loud yourself every day at least one verse so that your ears hear what your mouth is saying. Don't let it depart out of your mouth, but meditate day in, day in, day and night. Meditate day and night that you may what? Observe to obey it. The more you think about the word, it's washing your mind. It's washing your mind. You're being renewed by the washing of the water of your mind. You're being transformed. The more you read it, the more you meditate, day in, day out, day in. There's no holidays. You want to go down? I know Sandra and Blair like to go to Mexico on holiday, but there's no Mexico holiday from the Word. And in fact, when they go on natural holidays, they double, triple, and quadruple up on the Word. That's why they go on holidays, to get more of the Word. And that's the right reason to go on holidays. Go go for your water skiing if you want and, and your samba dancing. You know, Jenny wants me to learn samba dancing, so I'm starting to learn it. Praise God. Go do your samba, your salsa, whatever that nonsense is. No, she got me started. I'm starting to do the salsa. So uh, we'll, we're going to do it at our next big banquet. We're going to do a salsa for you. I'm already in lessons. Pray for me, my brother and sister. Pray for me. Julio Iglesias is here. Praise God. But while you're on the salsa and the samba and you got your, your mouth stuffed full because it's all free and you sleep all day, and you're out sunning yourself, make sure that there's a lot of time and all that rest for the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. Make this physical vacation a spiritual intensification. That's good. Do you understand? Because after, whether you're on vacation or not, or salsa or not, you've got to meditate on the Word. You've got to be reading it. You've got to be hearing it. You've got to be thinking about it. You've got to be meditating on it. You've got to think about it. Because the more you meditate, mom, the more you meditate. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing, the renewing. It is a renewing of your thoughts, which only comes by the word. So when we're talking about how to be led by the spirit, you can't leave the meditation of the word out because it is actually the first step that you do. You get in the word to wash your thoughts. Now your thoughts are more God's thoughts. Your thoughts are more sanctified. Your thoughts are more holy. Your thoughts are more in line with the way God thinks in his word. Now when the spirit starts to communicate your spirit through to your mind, what the Holy Ghost is saying, whether by a knowing or by a voice, your mind is far more likely to hear it and to recognize it and to pick it up. People say to me, Pastor, I'm trying, but I just can't figure out. I can't figure out what the inner one is. I just can't figure out. It's because you're not in the word. That's good. You're not in the word. If you're in the word, the word will so wash your thoughts. Your thoughts will now be more sensitive. They'll be more. They'll be more like God. They'll be more like your spirit. They're more spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, it's called Bible says, "Be spiritually minded." Right. So when your thoughts are more spiritualized because you're meditating on the word instead of all the other stuff in this world and being influenced by them, but you're influenced by the word, then when your spirit wants to communicate something by the Holy Ghost, your mind will be more. It's like an antenna. It's higher. And you, oh, that's it. That's it. I just, I have that knowing. Oh, I hear that still small voice. But if you're never in the word and you're never meditating, never washing your thoughts, the the, the inward witness is how we're led, but it will be lost on you because you won't pick it up. Yeah. Are you with me? It's very important what I'm saying. This inner, wit- this inner witness is as important as it is, Reverend Greg. There's, there's not a whole lot of point talking about it if they can't even recognize it. Then it was a waste on them. The only way you recognize it is spending a lot of time in the Word and a lot of time praying in tongues. The more you pray in tongues, the more your spirit is moving and you're more likely to pick up the impulses of your spirit. But listen, it's not just praying in tongues. Praying in tongues doesn't renew your mind. Right. praying in tongues strengthens your faith gets your spirit moving helps you enter into the spirit realm helps you pick up things from the spirit but it doesn't do anything for your mind because when you pray in tongues your mind is unuseful it's quiet yes. it didn't say that it renews your mind it just you have to quieten your mind when you pray in tongues so how do you renew your mind nothing but the word nothing but the the word. So you need to take time every day. I know it's so basic, but Sandra, I'm telling you some of the most basic stuff is lost on busy, busy, busy Christians, yes. true. busy, 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 Christians. You should make a rule. If you're struggling with the word, make a rule, make a, 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 a rule with yourself that you don't break. Say, I will not ever take another mouthful of food without looking at the Bible. Because we're so carnal, oh, we'll take 17 snacks throughout the day. Right? I, I clicked the other day. He did his dinner. We're done dinner. He had his juice. We're done juice. We're doing whatever we're doing. He come to me seven minutes after dinner and said, Daddy, is it snack time? <laughs> I said, it's not snack time. You just had your dinner. I'm still hungry. Well, then you should have asked for seconds. So there's some people that they just want to snack all the time. As you can tell, I'm one of them. <laughs> no, no, we, no. I'm telling you, I'm saying, if, if you find it hard to get in the Word, because your physical food sustains you, your spiritual food, which is the word, sustains your spirit and washes your mind. So just make a little rule. Lord, every time I put something into my mouth, I will think about a scripture. Ideally, if you can, open the Bible and read something out loud so your ears can hear it. Even if it's one verse. While you're having breakfast, just start, just start, you know. Okay, Lord, I'm eating my cornflakes now. What? I, I'm just going to read Psalm. I'm going to read a couple verses. I'm Psalm 91. I'm just in the mood for that. And you just read that, or you meditate on it, or you have it played for you, or something. Or you think about it, but say it, say it, say it, while you're eating your cornflakes. And then when you're doing your snack, one of your nine snacks that morning, then just every time take a, take a scripture. And if you don't, it's not a snacker, but you're having your lunch and you got unsafe people around, you can be discreet about it, but just make a decision, Lord. If I sustain myself physically, I will sustain myself spiritually. Amen. If it touches my mouth, it will also touch my heart. Amen. If you don't, if you struggle with reading the word, make that as a rule and you'll find that you'll, it, it, it'll change very quickly in your life and you'll start loving the word more than you love the food. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. I know some of you don't believe that, but it's true. Good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, have a look at James 121. Y'all got me riled up. Praise the Lord. James 121. I know it's simple, but being led by the Spirit should also be simple. But a lot of people aren't led by the Spirit, so they're not getting what's simple. So you have to repeat what's simple because they're not getting it. Led, being led by the Spirit, Romans 8, 14, them that, are the, them that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The most basic advantage a believer has is being led because it's equated to your salvation. And verse 16 of, of chapter 8, it says, And the Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirits, regarding a number of things, the first of which being that we are the children of God. But he bears witness. That's the number one way. What's the number two way Dad Hagen taught us? I've put up those quotes many times. There is an the inward voice, a little more authoritative than the inner witness. The inner witness is not a voice, it's just a knowing. But sometimes you'll hear something very quiet down on the inside talking to you, telling you something to do. And you can even articulate what the exact words are. You could write it out. That's your, that's your spirit, man, the real you talking to you by what the Holy Ghost is telling it. You will never hear that voice and you'll never discern that witness, that knowing, if your mind is not in the Word. And when you pray in tongues, it gets your spirit moving, but it doesn't renew your mind. So nothing ever replaces the importance of the Word. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. To make sure you spend time in the Word every day, even if it's one or two verses. Now have a look in verse James 1, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and uh, superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness, mm-hmm. The engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Your soul needs to be saved. Your spirit was saved at the moment you got born again. It was made, second Corinthians five seventeen. that if we are in Christ, we are new creatures. All things have passed away and all things have become new in your spirit, man. Your spirit is saved. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotion, and your body is not saved. So what saves your mind what saves your thoughts what changes that word save means it's an all-encompassing word And it means to deliver to renew to make strong What what saves your soul? the word The word has to be where taylor engrafted? When you engraft a tree you take that other thing and you bind it so that it will stick and it will become part of that Tree you're going to take the word and make it a part of you. You're going to bind it to you. I'm on the airplane going to Israel the last time. And uh, on, 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 on the Air Canada flight, and there's these men, and I guess the stewardesses just ignore them because they're not supposed to do it, but there's so many of them that they just do it. Nobody says anything. I guess they're afraid of being attacked or accused or whatever. And so the air, air stewardesses leave them alone. But remember that verse I read you from Exodus? It said that, these, that this law is to be as frontlets to your eyes and bind them upon your arms. Remember it says that? The Orthodox Jews take that literally. And they stand up at a certain part of the fight and there was dozens of them. And in fact I got one on video. You're not supposed to be videoing them, because that's rude, but I kind of did it like that, so they didn't know I was doing it. And I was just like, Praise the Lord. And then I looked down and I had it all on video. But what they do is they take this thing around their thing. It's made, and there's a little box with that scripture in that box. And it sits right here on their eyes. And then they take the lift, and they take this cord, and they wrap it really tight. I, I was shocked at how tight they were doing it. They wrap it around their arm, and then they stand there, and, they, and they, start to, they start to confess. They start to pray. They start to talk to Adonai. And they do this. And the waitresses are just saying, doing the thing around them, ignoring them. You see, they take it so seriously. They're in bondage. They're in religion. It's a legalism to them, Taylor. But at least, I'm not saying we should be legalistic, but they're so honoring. They take it so seriously that in a public plane, unashamed, don't care what anybody says or thinks or does, they stand up, they put it around, they wrap their arms, and they start to do their confession. And here we are as Christians barely cracking the Bible. Uh Come on. I'd rather us be legalistic and do it all the time than be hedonistic and do it none of the time. That's not what hedonistic means, but you know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we don't want it to become law and legalism, but at the same time, that's one ditch, but at the same time, you can get to the other ditch where you never do it ever. Stop laughing about the hedonist thing. I know you're laughing at that. Quit it. Stop being carnal. My God. Greg, that's you. You're egging them on. Stop it. I don't want to be in the ditch of I'm have to and I'm doing the physical things, but I don't want to be in the other ditch that I'm so lazy. That God is whatever, I'm just making money, 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 money. What I want, might I want, And I forget God. Because He's more valuable than money. And He said, I want you to do this day in and day out, there and day and meditate there and day in, day out. You don't have to physically bind it, but it's got to still be real to you. Do you understand? The Jews do it because it's real to them and they're in legalism. And yet Christians that have the power, that have the substance of the shadow that the Jews are honoring. We have the reality of the type that they are legalistic about. We have the real. And yet most Christians won't crack the Bible. Crack it, open it, read it, love it, fall in love with it. The word is God's love letter to us. Fall in love with it. Read it. Meditate on it. And then graft it. Engraft it. Bind it to your heart. You see, they bind it around their hand physically, legalistically. I'm supposed to be engrafted. The word is supposed to come into me. I'm supposed to bind it on my heart. God, this is your holy word. It's part of my DNA. It can't be separated from me. This word will save. It will renew my soul. My soul must be renewed because your spirit has to communicate to your soul or you have no clue because we operate with a brain and your body can't act if your brain doesn't communicate to it. So how do we get from our spirit up to our brain? You got to wash an engrafted word to save your soul by the renewing of your mind, restoring your mind, washing it so that it's more spiritual in nature so it picks up what your spirit is saying. Do you understand? Remember Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside you. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth, not my spirit, my soul. The word in Hebrew, restoreth, is the same equivalent word in Greek of this word save or of Romans 12 renew. They're saying the same thing. Think of it this way. When you get a chair, I know Barry does this in our church. A very, he's very good at it. He restores furniture. When you get a chair, it's the same chair, Greg, but it's all old and ratty and everything. You take it to a restorer, it's the same chair, but he makes it look new. But it's the same chair, but it's made new. That is called renewing or restoring or refurbishing. Do you understand? The same chair, but made better. Your spirit is not renewed because your spirit isn't the same. It has become a brand new species of being. Your old, the old nature, the old man, the spirit that was dead unto God has been made new. All things have become new. Your spirit, man, was not the old broken down rotten spirit that now God patched up. Your spirit became a new being unto God. But your mind is not made as a new being. Your mind is the old that is made better. Do you understand? So my spirit is alive and new and perfect, but, it, but that's just down here. You don't see my spirit because all you see is my body and you see the things I do with my body based on my soul how I talk, how I act, how I live is based on my mind, my soul, telling me my will, my emotions, telling me how to act, what to do. So all you see in the human is their soul and body, but you don't see their spirit. The spirit is made new. But now the mind and the soul has to become like the spirit. It's not a new being, but it's a a refurbished being. It's a renewed or a restored item. Your soul is ready. Your mind, your thoughts are ratty and moldy and gross and ripped and torn and worn out when you were saved but the Spirit of God is the great restorer. As you read the Bible, what he does, he's, he's like Barry. He comes and he takes that old material and he starts bit by bit taking it away, taking it away and putting brand new, beautiful, clean. It's the same chair. It's the same soul. It's the same mind, but it's being restored and renewed and repaired and refurbished so that you don't think. That's why you see people that before they got saved, you say, how could I look at Randy Greer and I say, I can't." imagine you robbing a bank at gunpoint I can't imagine you running I can't imagine you taking drugs you're so different why his soul and his body is the same but became new his spirit was made new but his soul was the same but changed You see people that you can't imagine because they don't like to say they don't. They're totally changed by the power of God. And you say, wow, look at what God did. It wasn't in their spirit. That was their soul and their body becoming like their spirit. God didn't give you a new mind. He took your old tattered mind and he made it better. How do you make your tattered mind, your tattered emotions, your broken hurt? People have been abused in the past. People have been hurt and abused by people. And they've got this deep hurt on the inside of them. That's all part of your soul. How does God take all that ratty old stuff and make it it fresh? You get in the Word and you pray in the Holy Ghost. And you start reading. and And the Holy Ghost starts answering and talking to you. And yes, you listen to preachers but you read and he starts talking to you and then the spirit gives you revelation into that word and it washes it's like washing it washes it washes it washes it washes washes. your deep emotions where you were hurt by abuse in the past he washes that away the desires you want to do evil he washes that away and he makes your old ratty soul and emotions and mind and will he makes it renewed and restored replenished and refurbished like it was new, even though it's not technically new. Your spirit's new, but your soul is refreshed. Now, the more you go through the refreshing process, the more you'll be led by your spirit. When you see the ratty chair, but the spirit is saved, that person usually cannot be led by the spirit because the ratty material is, is not picking up the cues of the glorious spirit within but when the fabric becomes refreshed, it picks up the clues. Are you with me? Are you sure? Well, it's 7:49. Tough luck. There's 11 more minutes. I'm telling you, I'm learning that salsa stuff. It's fun. I didn't think it could be so fun. And I, I changed my name. I'm Jose. I just say, "Oh, my name's Jose." Yo, yo, what's up, Jose? Jose Field. Just you, up, you, you, Jose. that's that's what i'm taylor stop telling me okay i'm telling you i gotta fit in praise god (laughs) hallelujah at least i can get you to laugh and what's the heavy doctrine praise god praise god psychologists and psychiatrists that word psyche comes from the greek word psyche That's where you get psychologists, psychiatrists. Do you know that 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 word psyche means soul? Did you know that? Psyche means soul. A psychiatrist and a psychologist only deal with your soul. They never deal with the inner man. Now they have over the process of time in all their studies figured out that there's something under the soul but they don't know what it's called. So they call it, have you ever heard of the phrase, the subconscious mind? That is the psychiatrist's definition of your spirit, but they don't believe in spirit. But they know there's something deeper underneath what what we're, 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 we're probing. There's something under there. And they've picked up that they're smart enough to figure that out, but they don't know what it is and they won't believe the Bible. So they call it the subconscious mind, but your subconscious mind is your spirit. Do you understand? So all they have to offer you is soul power. So then people uh, say to the, and let me just say this before I say that, isn't it amazing, Reverend Greg? I often wondered, I understand it now, but I never really understood it for years, that people say, you hear people say out there, you hear people say in university, you hear people say a lot of places on the radio, you hear people say, the greatest question in life, who am I, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? You've heard that, right? Was, I've always wondered, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would anybody say, who am I? And why am I here? And what's my purpose? What are they dumb? They don't know their purpose. That's the first thing I knew. as was four years old, what my purpose was. I've never once asked the question, who am I? I'm Craig Field, I know who I am. And I know what my purpose is. Then I heard Dad Hagen talk once. And he said, the reason why people say, who am I? And why do I am on this planet? And why do I have a purpose? He said, it's very simple. Those people have never tapped into their spirit. Those questions are from the soul. And sinners can't get into their spirit because their spirit's dead unto God. That's why you'll always hear sinners talk about their purpose and who I am and why am I here and all this stuff. Because they can't know. The only way you can know who you really are, because the real you is a spirit. That's why they're frustrated, because they think the real them is their soul. But they are a spirit, have a soul, and live in a body. What they're looking for, that's why they're always on a journey, and they never reach the destination. They're always looking for purpose. But they can never find the purpose in the mental arena, because it's not there. So they keep looking and probing and trying and struggling and then they use money or sex or vices to try to get their satisfaction and find their purpose. But it's never going to be found because of the soul arena is hollow. They're looking the bible says god has put eternity into the heart of every man There is an eternity. What is that the spiritual quality of foreverness? He has put a foreverness which is spiritual not mental in every heart born again or not And there is a longing to know. I don't know. There's something more than what my mind can see There's something more than how I feel And when I try to amass things, it's still empty. Why is it empty? There must be more. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Because their spirit is the answer, but their spirit is dead unto God. So they'll turn to their spirit to the dark side. Then they go after power, they go after occult, they go after witchcraft, they go after false religions because they know there's something more but they can't figure out what it is and they know it's more than so. so they hunger after spiritual things but that are darkened and that's why the occult phenomenon is exploding. It's people longing for spirit but not knowing where to look so they look to the darkened spirit because they are darkened within so dark draws to dark. But when they get, boy, that's why we've got to tell people. That's why it's called good news. When Jesus comes, your spirit is made from dark to light. It's made alive unto God. And now your spirit is connected with the one who made you. And his divine purpose is in your spirit. And you don't even know why, but you just know, I know who I am. I know why I'm here. You see? the 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 the, the soul is connected but it's separated that you that's why you can divide soul and spirit hebrews 4 12. the soul is required to be renewed to pick up the leading of the spirit that's in here but when you're not saved the soul is darkened and all they've got is this but they're longing for this so when you talk to people keep in mind Don't judge them too quickly about all their sin. Just focus on getting Jesus into their spirit because that will take care of everything. It will take care of all their problems, all their loneliness, all their hurts, all their, I don't don't fit. Take care of it. When their spirit becomes alive unto God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's a sad thing to have the people live all their life and not know what their purpose on earth is. (laughs) I saw the guy save some turtles, he was on the news, and he said, this is my reason for, be, for living. And he meant it. I love these turtles, I save turtles. And I thought, oh, I'm so happy that you found a measure of what you love, but if you were born again. Yeah. As much as God may say, I want you to save the turtles, but save some people along with the turtles. Mm -hmm. Because the turtles are not going to go to heaven, but the people are. But I'm just saying, it's amazing, Lorraine, what people grasp at for purpose, for meaning. If I save a whale, my life is meaningful. I've heard people say that with tears. If I save a whale, I, I did something in my life. And I'm like, saving a whale? I like whales. Whales are nice. Jesus likes whales. He wants you to try to save them if you can. Don't kill them. Save them. But for your whole being to reach out in a grasp and say, my reason for being born is to save a whale? Or hug a tree? These are, I'm telling you people, these are people that have never tapped into the eternity of their spirit. Because if they tap into the eternity of their spirit, I'm not saying God won't let Christians be wildlife people and help and save. Sure, absolutely. But, but that won't be their purpose. That'll be their job. And if I was on the thing, because I wanted to be a game ranger, I would say, I love saving the lions. But that is not my purpose for existing. My purpose is to worship him. And my purpose is to tell you, cast the devils out of you first and then get you over with me and worship Jesus. My purpose is to worship him and get others to worship him with me. Not to save the whale, the turtle, the tree, or the slug. Or the squid. Because there's a lot of squid people out there too. They love those squids. I'm impressed with them. I never thought anybody could love a squid so much. You should see them cry over those squids. They cry, right? Cry And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking the babies are dying in Africa, but you don't cry over them. People are being murdered in wars, but you don't seem to care about them. But you'll cry hot, fat tears for a squid. Yeah, it's true. I don't understand. Those are darkened souls. Because when the spirit of God is in you, you might like the squid. You might save the squid. You might give a donation to the squid foundation. But when the spirit of God is in you, your purpose is people, is to save people, is to pray for people, is to worship God and help humanity come into the kingdom. Love the squid. Pray for the squid if you want to. But don't have your whole purpose for the squid. (laughs) i'm sorry sandra i'm sorry i don't mean to be funny but it is very funny to me i don't know why i find that so funny let me say one more thing before we go the psyche psychologists psychiatrists that we so reverence and respect i don't know why you do but you do because i don't respect them at all i respect jesus and i respect the word because the word does what they can't do but they're trying to help people. And so I highly respect them because at least they're not saving squids. They're trying to help broken people get better. No, their hearts are right. They're trying to help broken people get better. But they have propagated this concept called inner healing. And now everybody has to go back to the birth canal for inner healing. Thank you for the amen, Sally. Everybody has to have some kind of inner healing That has to because we're all messed up by something. We all got to go backward retroactive travel Back to the childhood years. I'm not trying to mock but I am but I'm not Let me explain something to you The inner man see they're all their terminology is messed up because they're not born again The inner man doesn't need healing Why are you looking at me? Have I not taught you anything over the last month? Some of you are looking at me like, what? (laughs) For 2 Corinthians 5.17, although the be in Christ are a new creature, old things, that's pain, that's hurt, that's darkness, that's torment, that's abuse, old things have passed away and all things in your spirit have become new. New means healed. Your spirit does not need healing. It's perfect. But they call it inner, but it's not the inner man. Their terminology screwed up. It's not right. Now, they believe their subconscious mind needs healing, but that's your spirit. Now, if you're not saved, your subconscious mind, your darkened spirit does need healing, but you ain't going to get it by lying on the couch. You're going to get it by getting saved. That's why they have patience for 30 years and don't get better. Because they're trying to fix their subconscious mind, which is their darkened spirit, with soul power. But you need the Holy Ghost. That's why all this nonsense. Then they say, then Christians say, Oh, but my, yes, not inner man, but semi-inner healing. My spirit is right, Pastor, but oh, you don't know. Oh, you don't know. You don't know what I'm going through semi-inner healing, meaning soul healing. But I just want to tell you that the word engrafted will do all the soul healing and we all have soul healing. I'm not mocking that. People that come out of abusive situations, they are so messed up. Their whole concept is wrong. They don't, have if they're sexual, if they're sexual related, their marriage is getting, I, I know because I've counseled hundreds of them. I'm not exaggerating. And when I see things go wrong sexually in a marriage, my first question, I don't even ask. I just, I know it. Sweetheart, tell me what happened when you were small. And they start to cry. Go ahead and tell me. Go ahead. Tell me what happened. You've never talked about it, but go ahead. My uncle did this. My brother did this. My father did this. And it, it devastated them. And they were too small to conceptualize what was happening. And their soul is broken. And now their spirit is alive, but their soul is still broken. Yeah. But I say, now listen, I'm going to lay hands on you, but it, it's not, if that can happen that way. But the real way is, I want you to start to meditate on the word. Amen. Start to say it. Start to say it. The word of the Lord restores my soul. He took my sickness and He bore my griefs. See, the abuse is part of grief. He bore my griefs. He has redeemed me from the hand of the fowler. He has, start to say it. Yeah. And they do. And they come back and they say, I didn't have to sit on a couch for 30 years. I just put the Word and I bound it to my heart. And all that brokenness got washed away. Because you are washed by the water of the Word. You don't need semi-inner healing, full inner healing, subcontracting inner healing. You don't need any of this nonsense. You need, you need healing, but you need the word. You don't need a soul-oriented psychiatrist. Now, if you won't do the word, because there's some, that, Greg, they won't do it. I've talked to them for years, and they still won't do it. I you, if you just do it, it will work. Amen, amen, amen Pastor. Brother, just, just do it. amen, pastor. Amen. Amen. What did you do? It. Stop saying amen and tell me, did you do it? Amen, pastor. Amen. (laughs) And five years later, they're the same mess up that they were before. In fact, they're worse because they just refuse to do what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. It's what God's saying through the Bible. So you know what I say to those sad cases? The Bible calls them, there's a term for them in the Bible. It says those that are weak-minded, That's called being weak-minded. It says you can't help them, just comfort them. Did you notice it didn't say counsel them? It didn't say cast the devil out of them. It didn't say do anything. It says comfort the feeble, weak-minded among you. There are some Christians that are so weak-minded, you give them the answer, and it's just an amen, pastor, but they won't do it. They are feeble-minded, and the Bible says you cannot help them. I can pray for them. That's about all I can do. But they're not listening to the holy ghost they're not listening to the preacher they're not listening to the bible all you can do is say it's okay my brother it's going to be okay jesus is coming soon that's all you can say one day you're going to die and go to be with him Jesus is coming soon if you decide to live long. He's coming soon, all this is gonna be over one day. You can't help them because they won't listen, they won't renew the mind. They're weak, feeble-minded people. And you can't help those people other than comforting them. But those people, you know what I do? I have a a list, a roster of born-again, spirit-filled psychiatrists. And I send them to those psychiatrists. They shouldn't need to go because the word is enough. But for the weak-minded that refuse because of rebellion and stubbornness and laziness, they will not listen. I, I don't want to send them to some person that's got demons, that's going to teach them to have sex. You know, the, the reason this is because you're having sex with your mother. That's what a lot. Of, that's what that's some of the Freud stuff is all about: sexuality and mother. It's demonic. It's totally demonic. I don't want to send them and get them more messed up. But, I, but thank God for born-again, spirit-filled psychiatrists and psychologists who understand the psyche, but they also add in an element of spirit to it because they're born again. But they know that there's some people that don't go to church. They got to help them. What about the people that don't have a pastor? They got to be helped. What about the people that don't know how to renew their mind? They got to be helped. So, thank God for Christian psychiatrists that actually help people who refuse the help from the traditional ways of the word directly and from the pastor. Thank God for them. And we've sent people to them, and believe it or not, it's actually helped them. Because something about lying on the couch and paying $150 an hour makes them feel better. You can lie on my couch, I don't charge you anything. Maybe I should. Actually, that's a good idea. Maybe I should. That's a great idea. Lord, was that you? Nope, that wasn't the Holy Ghost, I have a grieving. But that sounded like God. I'm gonna charge every counseling session, a hundred dollars per session. That'll help our budget, that'll help Oasis, Sandra. Nope, that wasn't the Holy Ghost, but it sure sounded like him. it's like that voice it's the same sounding voice when we were at the at the funeral and he was trying to sing uh, oh the old rugged cross he never sung it before and he's singing i mean i've never heard a human being sing the old rugged cross like that before the old rugged cross i mean he did not know the melody whatsoever and i'm standing right beside him and i heard a voice and it says you can help him right now and sing or you can enjoy the show i heard a voice and then it continued, I suggest the latter. Yeah. So I said, Lord, I'll take it as you, and I'm going to pick the last one, and I enjoyed the show while Taylor struggled through four stanzas of the old rugged cross. It was the best funeral I've ever been to in my life. And we had honor guard guys from World War II that were like 90 years old. They were all in their uniforms with their medals holding the flag, and it's like they were looking at him like, What? <laughs> that same voice just said charge everybody a hundred dollars (laughs) for counseling that is not the voice of my spirit and that is not the voice of the holy ghost that's a devil (laughs) let me tell you that's a devil but they want to sit on the couch for an hour 150 dollars an hour for 30 years let them let them some people feel better doing it that way but i'm telling you you don't need to. if you just get the word if you just do it don't be feeble-minded get the word get the word get the word get it washing you get it washing you all that that deep hurt, that anger, that that anger you have toward people. You don't even know why you have anger, but you have anger. You can't break these problems. You can't break these cycles. God knows he's a master technician. He's the master healer. He's the master surgeon. He knows everything. If you just get in the word and let it wash you and pray much in the Holy Ghost, he will take that ratty chair, Taylor, with all that's mess, And you look at them three years later and they're crisp, beautiful, crystal clean fabric. And you say, you are not the same person. Your spirit was always new, but the old ratty chair became renewed. And they don't have the pain from the past. They don't have the hurt. They don't have the bondage. They're free and they know their purpose, and they love squids, but they don't live for squids. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't live for a squid. Oh, that should be our motto. I don't live for a squid. I live for Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Father, I love you. Lord, with this, you got to get a couple of laughs, like the salsa and like the squids. we got to do something to break that hard exterior. Some of them look like they've been in prune juice all week. I've got to try to break through that prune juice and get some sugar in them. Lord, I thank you. A little bit of spoonful of honey helps the medicine go down. Lord, the laughter helps us with the Word of God going down into our hearts. Let them get into the Word. Let them love the Word. Let them love, fall in love with the Word. Let them engraft it and bind it to their heart. It will save their soul to the uttermost. And it will help them pick up the cues, the impulses, the knowings, the still small voice of their spirit. Because it has to be communicated, Father, to our minds and our minds must be renewed to pick it up. So I thank you, Father, for it. Oh, glory to God. Thank you that I know who I am. I love a lot of things in this life. And Lord, you know how much I love animals. I was going to do that for a living. I may, I'll make a lot of fun, but I, I, I understand people that feel that way. But Father, as much as I'm interested in all these other things in life, I know my purpose. My purpose is to honor you, to worship you. My purpose is to tell other people to come into the kingdom. And Father, for them, my purpose is to preach, but for them, you've given them a purpose of a vocation. You've given them a job. You've given them a career. And that's part of their purpose in life, but it would come out of their spirits. That's why there's joy attached to it. So let them fulfill their purpose on the earth, their careers, but primarily their worship of you, and their gathering people into the kingdom. That's why we exist, is to worship him. Father, thank you that our spirits are new and alive. Mm -hmm. Thank you our soul is in a journey, a marathon journey of being renewed where none of us have arrived yet, but all of us are in the process of engrafting the word to save our soul. And I thank you, Father, that they continue that process. Lord, I declare that there's no feeble-minded in this church. I declare that there's no stubborn, lazy Christians that refuse to let the word save their soul. I declare there's no feeble-minded ones among us that I can only comfort because I can't help them because they're stubborn. Lord, I thank you that every one of us, we're not feeble-minded, we're alert, we're quick to obey, and we're quick to take the engrafted word, to fall in love with it all over again, to read it every day out of our mouth so our ears hear it, so that our mind is washed and renewed and restored and refurbished, and that we become the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, I praise you for it. I give you glory.